Well, today being that it is Pentecost Sunday, we will be reading our, the traditional Pentecost passage from Acts chapter 2. It's going to be coming from verses 1 through 21, so I invite you to follow along in your pew Bible or listen to the passage as it is read aloud. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. <clears throat> Suddenly from the heavens there came a sound, like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now there were some devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each of them heard speaking in their native languages. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to the Cyrenes, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in their own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judah, all who have lived in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they will prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire, smoky mist, the sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious days. Then everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So today, yes, it's Pentecost, but before we get into that, I just started to think back a little bit about my own personal history as we look at the history of the early disciples as they begin their new calling that the Spirit laid upon them. And as I think about my life and my upbringing, there are some moments when I reflect upon that I am surprised I'm alive today. I don't know about y'all, but when we were younger, we probably did some pretty sweet stuff. And am I not on on the mic? Okay, I'm going to go to the pulpit. And then also, there are some things that we did that our parents allowed us to do. And I'm amazed that they even allowed us to do that. Growing up, I grew up in a neighborhood that had just two streets. It was outside at the time in the county. It was a perfect place to grow up because all these homes in the late 80s, early 90s were being built. Young families were moving in. And our parents, I guess, just felt safe in this little bubble we had to let us roam about this neighborhood and into the woods on the outer edges of the neighborhood. Uh, neighborhood. Now, all those woods today are nicely planned communities that fit the city ordinances of Madison. But there was a time that you didn't have that in this area. So we would go out, me and all my buddies from the neighborhood. There's about eight of us, all about the same age. And when we were not in school on the weekends or in the summertime or the holidays, we would just go out and ride our bikes. We would go out in the woods and make trails. Not a care in the world. We'd just go out and have the best time. 
And the only thing that really gauged us on making sure we got home was when the sun starts to set and that one little light pole came on, we knew it was time that we better be headed to the house and we all would go out and back to our homes. But there was no parents outside. There were no adults outside. It was just us roaming around, being children, doing silly things. And you know what? We didn't get hurt. But looking back on it, I'm like, we really could have gotten in some trouble out there. We could have been bitten by a snake. We could have fallen down and broken something, climbing one of those trees. But we didn't have a care in the world. I'm surprised that we didn't end up on one of those documentaries you see of missing children because our parents wouldn't have known until the sun went down that where did our kids go. But we made it alive, roaming around as free agents. But then as I got older and into middle school, we'd play a lot of team sports. I went to MRA, so at the time it was still a smaller private school. But I think back in middle school football practices, and I'm amazed we made it out alive from the football practices. We didn't have any hired coaches. The coaches were dads still. And those dads were reliving their glory days through their 13-year-old boys and really pushed us to the max. But I remember going out there in the practice field, just trying our best. We were all, when time for break would come, we would drink from the same water bottle from everybody. I remember there was a PVC pipe that had holes drilled in it coming out from a spigot, and we all would drink from that pipe. We didn't catch nothing, absolutely nothing. Nowadays, there's no telling what types of diseases you would catch by sharing that kind of stuff. And then as I became a teenager... Boy, teenage years are pretty rough for some, and I'm surprised I made that out alive as well. You know, my car did not have lane assist or any of those emergency braking capabilities, but yet I managed to not die in a car wreck. Or in that time period as well, we, we were not having our smartphones, but somehow, you know, our parents could get in touch with us. We were able to call them when we got where we needed to, things like that. But, you know, when you look back on it, especially in my childhood, late 80s, or early 90s, there are some things that wouldn't go by very easily today. Today with my kids, for some reason, we've got a lot of kids in my little bubble of my neighborhood where we are now. But when we let them go out and play, there's usually some parents that are sitting outside as well, kind of keeping a watchful eye and giving them parameters not to go too far. I would not allow my kids today, I don't know why I feel this way, to go out into the woods that are out here by the airport close to where I live and let them run around the woods. But my parents did, and I came out okay. Middle school sports, my daughter, my son, they all do team sports and things of that nature. And when they do, they all have their own water bottle. Nobody shares water bottle at practices anymore. And then my son that's driving, his car has come standard with it. Like I said, it has the lane assist and the emergency braking. Basically drives itself. So things have changed for kids nowadays. Playgrounds have changed. Your playground of your childhood is way different than the playground that we have here at the church or any of these parks. There's no exposed metal, no rust, nothing's really tall, there's foam landing areas, there's shade. I mean, it's like a perfect little playground nowadays. Growing up, we had metal slides. We had those little chains on the swings that were rusted, and the swings were really long, so you can swing really high and jump out and fly out, and, you know, you made it. But... Things have changed today. Things have always changed in life from our childhoods to the childhoods of the kids today. But yet, somehow we all survived. Well, today, when we look at Pentecost, when we look at today, uh, and what these disciples, apostles experienced, you know, they were going through a change. Something was different that day. Something changed for them and changed for all of us. And so as we look at it, many people say, you know, this was a birth 
of the Christian church, the church as we know it today, a church that goes out into the world. This is its birthday or something's changed with the church. And sometimes when things change, it can be kind of painful, can be unsure, but God works through those things for the good. Uh, there's a quote that I like that is from an Episcopal priest, Wilda Gaffney, and this is what she kind of said about what Pentecost is, okay? This is more of a teaching quote about what it is. Pentecost is the 50th day, marks the end of the Festival of Weeks, originally named for the Festival of Harvest, and you'll see examples of this in Exodus and Leviticus on what this harvest is. The seven weeks follow from Passover, and the festivals are intertwined. By the time of the New Testament, it was also understood to be the anniversary of the revelation of the Torah on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, and these traditions underline the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the same day. So the Christian observance is undeniably linked to its ancestral Jewish heritage. So when we look back on what Pentecost is, we have to understand what it is for the Jewish people as well because of the histories are so intertwined of their faith and ours. And that's why it's good to look back at church history and how the New Testament lines up with a lot of fulfilling of prophecies and parallels to what is in the Old Testament. So Pentecost is one of the three Jewish festivals that require the Jewish males to visit the temple. Therefore, when the Holy Spirit descends upon the disciples, it says there are Jews from every nation. This is the time of the Roman Empire when all the 12 tribes are dispersed. Okay? They're not all in one happy little nation like in the times of King David and King Solomon. They're dispersed. So when they all come together, all the tribes are represented in this moment of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes which is important. And so this parallels what Gaffney said about the giving of the law Mount Sinai Exodus. When the law was given, of course the tribes were all there. When the Holy Spirit is given on Pentecost, all the tribes are represented there in Jerusalem. It's kind of neat. And so the story of Pentecost highlights when all of the faithful Jews receive the Holy Spirit. But if you continue to read in the books of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes at another time in Acts chapter 10 and the Holy Spirit then will come for all the Gentiles to symbolize that the Holy Spirit is for all believers, Jews and Gentiles. It's the coming together of all God's people. And it's very important that you see that also in the book of Acts. That's where you had a lot of early discussions in the early church. Is Jesus, is the gift of sacrifice that he gave just for the Jewish people or for all the world? Well, in Acts, you read it is for all of the world. And God gives his spirit to all of those who believe. And so because the Spirit was there in Jerusalem, God was present at that time. And it's because of the Holy Spirit, the disciples could speak in multiple languages. There was no need for translators and things of that nature. What was done at the Tower of Babel was now being undone through the Holy Spirit by God's people coming together. Because of the Holy Spirit, Peter was able to correct dissenters and make them understand through the prophet Joel. And he was able to preach because of the Holy Spirit from the prophet Joel. So this is the first sermon here that you get from Peter. And it's because of the help of the Holy Spirit. And we see that in verses 14 through 21. And so with the Holy Spirit, what we get is something new here is being done that was not done before. Something was changing. Hopefully a change for the good. Just as we've seen changes in our life that have come out for the good. 
But before this, Jesus did tell his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, he said this, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He said, in a moment you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wait for this gift to come. I'm about to leave you, but something just as great as me is about to come. The comforter, the advocate, your helper is about to come. Wait. And when the Holy Spirit came, it entered into the scene, not just quietly, as sometimes we think the Spirit moves. The Spirit can move in any way it wants, in any force it wants and sometimes it is a gentle nudge sometimes it is just a small whisper or in times like this it is a violent rush of wind that is noticeable not just for the disciples but for the crowds outside who heard it and noticed it and then saw flames flames of tongue flames above their heads and what that symbolizes a flame symbolizes the divine that the Spirit symbolizes the Spirit. The Spirit was with them and they were able to speak in languages and tongues that they have not yet done before. They were able to preach the message in a way that reached those that did not have the ability to be reached. And so the Spirit is the catalyst in this moment here. This change is something that is happening in the world. And so what were they waiting for? What is the Holy Spirit going to do to the church but not yet keep them in Jerusalem, but yet send them out. The Spirit's about to move these disciples, these apostles, and you and me and the church in a way of outside of the comfort zone, but out into the world. The Pentecost is not just the birth of the church and change, but it's also the sending of the church. It is when the church moves and gets in action. You know, here at St. Matthew's, we've had for a while our, our mission statements that we're a family of faith reaching out to share the life-changing love and grace of Jesus. We're a church that is reaching out. We're a church that is moving beyond our walls here of building and property. We are a church on the move. It is something that, that defines who we are and what we do through the ministries of this church. Through our mission trips, through the homebound visits, through Vacation Bible School, that's an outreach ministry. That's a way of re reaching out to the community. Through our worship services, through all that we do, we keep that in mind that we remember back on Pentecost that the Holy Spirit moved the early church from a time of waiting to a time of action. But that doesn't mean that there are also moments that as a church we do pause and we reflect and we wait on a direction that the Spirit is sending us. And I believe this time for our church and for many churches, we are getting to the point that we're in a period of waiting for the next whatever calling that may be. And churches go through those cycles of on the move, on prayer, on seeking, on waiting, and then action again. And so our own local church and many other churches are in that period of waiting to see what God is calling them to move next. Our, our community and our world has been through a lot of changes. Since 2020, there's always seems to be a change, a crisis, a, a time, a prayer of what to do next. And this time is no different as well for many of us and for many churches. But luckily, we don't have to do this by ourselves. We are not God. God is God. We wait and we listen to see where he is going to send us next with the help of the Holy Spirit. 
And so the thing that we have to reflect upon in our own lives and as a church is that as we wait and as we get ready to move again is that that we don't lose who we are. Is that we do not forget, you know, not where you come from, but also who you are. And first, as a church, we are God's church. This is God's church. We're just invited to be a part of it, which is a great honor. But he is going to call us where he sees that we need to be. As an individual, we are God's children. And while we have the gift of free will, someone once said, though, the idea of free will is, yeah, you can make your own choices, but it's also the ability for you to give God back your free will, to choose to give it over to him so he can lead you in your own life and where you're supposed to be with your gift and your graces. And so I think this opportunity of Pentecost is a wonderful opportunity for us to reflect back on where the church has been historically and what happened on that day of Pentecost, but how that impacts us today and who we are and what we are called to be as a church on the move, as people on the move. You know, as we reflect back, you know, change, as I said earlier, and and new beginnings and things that we're going to be called to be, it's always scary. You know, for us, it'd be a lot easier just to stay where we are. You know, a lot safer to never go out the front door of your house because you know nothing bad will happen to you. You can just stay and we can keep the door shut. But you know, the disciples were called into areas that were risky. And they knew that they were going to face some challenges. And the reason why they knew that is because of what Jesus did. Jesus is our prime example on how how to live out Scripture. He's our prime example on how we navigate difficulties in our own life. Jesus, who gave up his heavenly throne to come down and put on human flesh, suffered as we suffered experienced the human life as we experienced, yet while still divine. He feels pain, we will feel pain. He felt sadness, we will feel sadness. He felt joy, and we will feel joy. Just because Jesus is God and perfect did not mean he escaped the pains of this world for our sake. And so the disciples knew, they got it, that as soon as they put on the flesh of Christ, as soon as they would begin to live out their calling and follow the Spirit with the Helper, they knew that there were going to be trials and struggles ahead. But you know what? They faithfully pursued their calling. They did not slow down because there was joy in being connected to Jesus through that pain and through that suffering because being connected to him through that they also knew they were connected to him through the resurrection and through the hope that the resurrection brings. Jesus was the firstborn, the first to conquer death. And so death no longer has a hold over us. It does not have the final say in whatever happens in our life, that we will be victorious because of Jesus and his resurrection and the cross as well. And so the disciples knew as followers of him, they too will one day inherit that eternal kingdom And we'll be able to partake in that resurrection. And so as the church, we should not be afraid in the areas that the Spirit will lead us. As whatever new birth comes from our moment in life. As individuals, we should not be afraid of change. 
God is molding and shaping us each and every day to become who we are to be. Your story is not finished yet. No matter how old you are, no matter how many seasons of life you have been through, you're not finished. Each day that you wake and you have new breath, God can use you. And it may be something in a totally different way that you've had your whole entire life. But hey, things change, right? Playgrounds get safer, cars get safer, parents get more protective. Things change in life. And that's okay as well. And so as we are sitting here, as we are learning and hearing about the Holy Spirit and the ways that it has moved the disciples, we share in that joy, we share in what Jesus Christ has already done before us. And so we go out boldly after praying, after waiting, and experience the new day, the gift of the new day that's been given to us. So on this new birth, on this day that we call the birthday of the church, may we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit. May we not let that be the part of the Trinity that we just kind of forget about and we just focus on God and Jesus. But it's the Spirit that is with us each and every day. It is God that is with us each and every day. We are not alone in whatever we do. We have our helper. We have our companion. We have our church. We have each other. So may we boldly go out into the world as the disciples did. And may we go out there and change the world in a way that brings honor and glory to our amazing God. Let us pray.